This is the Arts Empire Podcast. I'm your host, Tion Buku One. We go deep diving into some of the most amazing, inspirational people in my life that I've known who have turned their art into a career. Sharing the tips, the trades, the gems, the lugs, all that good stuff for you and yours. Enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, yo, 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 the man of the hour, you can't even see my head now, let me go that There you go, yeah, we're gonna fix all that. Hey, man, how you feeling? Oh, man, I feel great, how about yourself, man? I can't complain, man, I'm just in my backyard, the weather's nice, I, I see you got sunshine over in, in Daly City, too, which is nice. South San Francisco, yeah, I'm in the backyard, too, man, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised, man. You get y'all got sun in in, in July? What? Um, this little pocket, you know, they had those micro uh, micro climates over here, man. We got lucky and you know found one that wasn't foggy. Yeah, that's that's yeah. love. All right, not like the East Bay, you know, it's not gonna be as warm, but we got the sun. Yeah, man, it's like I'm in the East East Bay, so it's like might be 70 in Oakland. It's like 89 here, 90 huh. in Walnut Creek. So wow. talking about microclimates, yeah. We don't have that. <laughs> yeah, we don't have it's that. All, it might be seventy-five at best. Yeah, I I know cats in Daly City be dying at seventy-five. They'd be like, ah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> that's too hot, huh? <laughs> yeah, for Daly City cats, Chicago folks ain't you good with that heat? Seventy-five with no humidity is like nothing for you. Yeah, seventy-five with no humidity is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Nothing. <laughs> nothing at all. We can do one fifteen. Oh man, yeah, I know, ain't no, ain't no in Daily City doing one fifty. They'd be like, I'm melting. Yes. yes. All right, cool. Well, this is our platform. This is our television studio. This is Art the Empire Radio, where we just talk about the relationship and challenges of navigating turning your art and your passions into a career and all the stuff that goes along with that. So I just decided. Instead of waiting for somebody to start having these conversations, I'm like, man, just have, let me just do this. Yeah. So here we are. Thank so, you. Man. And doing always. It. Thank you for doing we, it. And yeah. then <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Okay. We've had we've had many conversations. So why don't you just introduce yourself and just tell a little bit about what you're doing now and kind of some of the things you've done up to this point as far as like what type of arts have you been involved in? Oh wow. Um, Okay, first off, for those that don't know, my name is Doug. Doug Infinite is my producer name, a name I've been going by for a long time. Originally from Chicago, and I've been involved in the hip-hop community since its early stages there as a um, rap artist, as a music producer, notably, um, a great dancer, um, skate shop, um, owner, um, community builder, you know, we, we used to fix buildings in the neighborhood and try to make them better and um, better than it was that we got them. 
and I moved to San Francisco, and I currently work at um, Lucasfilm, which is also a very creative place, you know, for the creative people. So that's pretty much what I've done. I've worked with um, a lot of artists and a lot of creatives, but, and I was a band major in high school. You know, I played in all the bands that they had at the high school, the marching band, the concert band, the orchestra, the all-city band. So I've always wow. been um, in the arts. And I love it. Okay. Yeah. Man, it's a lot. Okay, so when did you first decide that one of your arts would be a good, viable way to turn into a business? What year was that, and how did that come about? Um, probably 19, as, as a business, I, I first tried to go into business like in 1989, 88, 89 with the music studio. Right. And that was an attempt to take my um, love and my passion for music and uh, playing music and being involved with the music and trying to put it into a like retail space where I was doing like studio time and things like that. That was definitely the first time that I had any idea that, you know, something I created with my hands and with my mind that I might be able to um, find a way to survive off of, which, which really at that time, 88 and 89, it wasn't that much money. I was very young and I wasn't trying to really make like a lot of money <laughs> off of it or anything. I just was trying right, to, right. to be able to do it <laughs> more than anything. Right. But, yeah. So when you, when you did that, what were some of the first tough lessons you learned off the bat? Um, maybe that, I think that the tough, toughest repeat lesson that I kept learning is that when, you, when you're doing something that um, has maybe never even been done before, or maybe the people that you're around have never seen it done by anybody, that... Um, I, I listen to the opinions and the concerns, but at the same time, I try to just move forward and see the project through its um, fulfillment, you know? Um, right. Not, not give up on it before you get started because somebody might not have the vision. If the vision was given to you um, to do it, you may have a different vision. So you may explain it or say, hey, I'm gonna go do the studio. And they'd be like, oh man, that's a bad idea. And it might be, and, and you may have to pivot in many ways on the idea, but at the same time, you still, I still feel like um, the one thing I learned early is that you still have to just see it through and um, get the data for yourself. You right. Know, listen, listen to the people and their experiences because they will also guide you through the path. But at some point, you still have to do the work and um, right. see, see what it is because it may be different. Yeah. Right. Okay. And so what would you say are some of your three core skills that have you learned that have helped you through every variation of your your career three three core skills that have helped me through every variation yeah yeah those root skills like not like i could do this or i can make this beat but like the core skills you know those ones that translate through all different lanes of life and career um make it better you know, I just always, always, um, one, one of the skills is a lot of times I may have something that may not be in the best condition when I get it, or I might not have the best equipment, or I might not have the best tools, or I might not have the best supplies, but I just always try 
to make whatever it is that I can have a little better than it was when I first got it or first acquired it. And I think right. that's like one of the first lessons that, um, and I say that because I, I won't go too deep too fast, but you know, I, I, I say hey, that. Dive in, boy, I, dive in. I, I, I say that because um, a lot of times, a lot of times I think that, um, I want to say this right, I want to frame this right for everybody. I want to say that um, a lot of times um, I just, it can get, the process can be very overwhelming. You're doing a lot of things and you're trying to do a lot of things. And one of the things that has always completely helped me was to try to make it better because I, I didn't want to be in a situation where you're always looking at the next thing, like the next thing is better. But, but you have something right here in your possession that you haven't even made an attempt or gave the proper attempt to try to really make it, you know, fulfilled to its greatest thing that it could be. Right. So, okay, that's one. That's one. <laughs> that's one. And, 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 and I learned that skill primarily with real estate because a lot of times the buildings we were buying and um, – the ones we were trying to renovate and even trying to renovate our own places where we were staying. It was all in an attempt to just make it better than it was. Right. We got it. And um, in that process, I learned a lot. And I use those skills every day, you know, throughout my life right now. That's what, so that's definitely one. I'm just right. saying, number two is um, I learned how to get back up after I fall down. Right. And um, I think I got that from skateboarding because it's just like if, if I don't make if I don't make the trick the first time, you know, I'm not gonna put my board and right. pick it up and go home and be like that's it. Right, right, right. That was it. I, I tried. Can't do it. <laughs> oh, and I'm done. You know. So you know, you're gonna keep trying. You're gonna keep trying over and over and over until you develop that skill. So you know, you fall down, get back up, and try it again. Tweak something. You know, maybe you know, move my foot a little bit. You know, try this this way or that way. So I learned that's that's been a very important skill for me too. Like, yeah, if you don't get the first time, which is essentially falling down on the skateboard, you know, if you don't get the second right. time, just make sure you can get back up. And I right. think um, I always say this: the third thing is um, I learned uh, the skill that I've um, used is to um, be uh, patient and happy with the process, to enjoy the process. That's not necessarily a skill, I know. But the skill. Oh shit! It, 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 it's a, it is a skill. Trust me, because you you got to develop that. It don't always just come natural. You got to right. really, you got to really be like, okay, wait, this sucks. But wait, why am I doing this? Oh, okay. Right. So if I want that, that brings me joy, then this should bring me joy because that's what's getting me there. But hey, hey yes, and, and and you're right. It, it it took me a long time to develop that. I think in the beginning of my career, especially when I was really young. I think that um, I was always kind of like looking for a big win and I was getting a whole bunch of small wins that I probably didn't properly celebrate. Mm. You know, just always concentrating on, yo, you, you need the big one, you know, you need the huge one. But here along your journey, you have all these milestones that you've been hitting and you don't need right. to give yourself any credit for hitting those small milestones that you've been able to do. Look at where you were a year ago, look at where you were two years ago, six months ago, a week ago. You know, right. steady progress. That's that's a good that's a good three. Um so okay. So you, you started with the studio and yeah. then you know, we've talked before, you pivoted from that studio into a skate shop. So yeah. how did you know when it was time to do that? Like you know, how do you know when it's time to like, okay, this is cool, 
but this seems to be working more. Like, what are some of the signs? Because, you know, when you have a lot of different passions and skills, sometimes it's hard to determine when to just stick with the one thing. Like, I'm going to stick with the studio and the music and see it through. Or like, you know what? That's cool. But this right now is that thing that's really, really what I'm vibing with. So how did um, you do that? Um, that was a synergy. Um, honestly, um, the music, obviously, if you really think about it, the music is one of those things that you spend a lot of money on the front end and buy a whole bunch of equipment and you're trying to do these creations and things. Maybe um, you didn't even have all the money to get the equipment, but you still have to sustain it. Right. So for me being in the studio when um, the skate shop started to really work, it allowed me to do music at a level that I wasn't able to do it when I was trying to make the music make everything work. Right. And it was at that point that I realized, oh, this this skate shop over here is allowing me to have the time to do the type of music and to work with the type of artists and to have to travel to where I need to go to be able to be involved in the process. Without mm -hmm. that, I don't know how would I have financed it? How would it, how would it be even happen? You know what I mean? So for right. me, it was, obvious, it was an obvious pivot because like, it was like, okay, this is working. It's self-sustaining, meaning right. it's taking care of itself in every month is taking care of itself and it's just going. It's like the wheels on the car. It just keeps rolling. And because wow. of that, it allowed me the opportunity to be able to invest more of my time and myself and my music and learning different things about equipment and buying different equipment and trying different things out, traveling, right. all that. Yeah. So, so you're saying like the skate shop, I guess, and due to the success of the skate shop monetarily, it was giving you more capital and less stress on the music. Um, were there any other ways that having that skate shop really freed you up for the music? Um, what's there? Any other ways that having a skate shop yeah. freed me up? I don't think other than financially and just giving me my time and space. Right. Uh, well, yeah. With, yeah. With, with music, a lot of times, especially with the younger people that are just starting off producing and maybe the people that still live with their parents, you know, headphones wasn't, weren't as popular as they are now. So you need right. a space where you can turn the volume up because a lot of times you just, you know, if you were in an apartment or if you were in a uh, house that had party walls or if you had a neighbor that, you know, didn't like right. music or something like that, it can be problematic to try to launch right. a music career under those conditions. So the skate shop allowed me to be able to actually also have a space to be able to do my music. I right. to be able to do it. I had a place where I could do it, where I could play it loud if I wanted to wait when it was closed, if I wanted to play my music loud. So it also gave me a space. Right. Which is something else I need. And other people use the space. Right. You know, everybody and that was, came. Yeah, yeah exactly. okay. Everybody came to the skate shop. Someone just needed the space. It just right. Needed, you know, a space to just, you know, sometimes cats would just come to the store and sit on the bench with their peace book. And just right because they just needed the space. They just wanted to be in the space, you know, with other people and other art and things around them that maybe inspire them. Right. So it killed a lot of birds with one stone by having your own space. And on top of that, having a business that generated revenue out of that space that helped cover basic overhead and investment yes. in equipment and stuff like that. Okay. What was the name of your skate shop? Underground Wheels. I saw I saw somebody okay. put up here. Hey, that's Brian Lightburn. <laughs> yeah, Brian Lightburn I just wanted said he needed that space. Look at that. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yo, and big up my boy Joe Krolik, who's like a super dope skateboard filmer, videographer, producer, and King Solomonic out from Ohio. I see these people popping up. 
Oh, King uh, Harmonic for sure. Uh, you know. Yeah, I know them all, man. Peace to all of you them. Know? Yeah. You know, you got range. We in the same tri range of hip hop, skateboarding, graffiti, uh, music stuff. So, yeah. okay, so, okay, you got this skate shop now. What are some of the pros of having your own business? Um, wow. There's um, a lot of pros to having your own business. Um, one of them is that you're your own boss. I mean, that's right. That frees, meaning that you're your own boss in, ter in terms of your schedule. So a right. lot of times you can make your schedule more flexible. So if I needed to take a week off to do something, then I was the one that made the decision to take the week off and to put somebody else in my position to hold down the duties and the responsibilities at the shop so maybe i right. can go to new york for a meet a, a weekend shop beats or do whatever it was i need to do or go to the asr you know trade show back then and fly out and get things done but people to do music things so right it definitely provided um it definitely provided an outlet in that way so i would say um I would say being your own boss, learning all the systems of the business. That was fun. Mm. You know, it, it I say, I say, everyone's. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, I was, a, I was a garbage man. I was a, the cashier. I was the inventory guy. I was a stock person. I was a janitor. I was a, the, the 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 window display dresser. I was a store designer. Yeah. I had to build the store. I had to, you know, deal with the problems with the um, the shopping mall or the whoever your tenant is. I had to deal right. with the lease. I had to deal with. I mean, there were so many things, and at such a young age that I had to do it, deal with that it was really a blessing that you know, working for myself, I got to find out. So, so yeah, you know, I was able to pick pick a career easy. Be like, I I can do this one, but I don't know if I would want. But to I don't do like that, that one. one. Yeah, and, you yeah, know, it's funny. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's that's what Domino said, and that's what uh, Blueprint said. You need to know all the moving parts, <laughs> right? So, so what are some of the cons of having your own business? Challenges, you know? Yeah, well, you know, at the end of the day, it falls on you. Right. You know, everything falls down on you. So even you could put people in position, but at the end of the day, if nothing is working, you're the one that's going to have to come in, and you're going to have to make it work. So. Um, mm. That can be a con, you know, for some people because it may tax you on your time. Because right. um, if you're the one that, ha at the end of the day, that has total ownership and the responsibility to make it work, then you may not be able to dedicate your time to other things that you wanted to do or were trying to build, you know, other entrepreneurial ventures or whatever it is that you're trying to build at the time because you have to dedicate your time to maintaining this thing you have already. Right. No, it's true. Um, so in these businesses, like the music and the skateboarding, I'm assuming you got to uh, work with friends and family, right? Well, yeah, definitely. Um, the skate shop I worked with, I, I was able to bring my dad in as a partner. Right. I, I, I didn't realize he was such a good businessman until I had a chance to work side by side with him. And I was definitely able to learn a lot of things that, right. I, that I just, you know, at my age, my young age, in my experience, I wouldn't have known if I didn't have an older person or an older mentor around who right. was there to help me. And at that time, my dad had retired. So he had mm. a wealth of knowledge on the corporate world that he was able to share with me and just, you know, tell me. And he also came up 
as an entrepreneur working at his father's barbershop. Mm. So, and his, and That's his father was right there. So he was able to give me some nuggets from both things at a young age to be like, oh, well, you may be doing, you think about doing it this way, you know, or you can still do it that way, you know. I had another so, question, but but since you dropped that, like, what are what are what are some of the nuggets he gave you, man? This is what we. I'm trying to shake that tree. I'm shaking the Doug Infinite tree. I was I was going to go left, but you you showed me the nuggets to the right. So let me. What are some of the um, nuggets? Um, let's see. Um, some of the nuggets is um, some of the nuggets are number one. Um, no matter what the job is, whether you want to do it, how big or small, just do it the best you can. Right. That was one of the big things, you know, you can imagine as a young kid, maybe if you don't want to take the garbage out, maybe you just drug it across the floor or whatever and just get it to the dumpster, <laughs> just, you know, right. huffed it up there, you know, then created maybe a mess in the process. So he really instilled in me, one of the nuggets were, one of the nuggets, are, one of the nuggets is do everything as good as you can. And, um, right. One of the other nuggets was I didn't know how to price my my, my merchandise in the retail oh. store because it was something that I had never done or something that I had never really um, thought about. And I, and I had a lot of prices wrong as far as my markup. Like, you know, some too right. high, some too low. You know, uh, buying something uh, single when I should have been buying the bulk because of the amount that I was selling. We would call right. that today analytics, but back then we really didn't have any thing on paper that showed you nice graphs and analytics that you could plug in a computer, you just kind of had to right. know, feel it and, you know, look at it and be like, well, I'm going <laughs> to look at your books. I'm, I'm going through a lot of berries. Maybe I need right. to move up to buying cases because if I buy a case of berries, I get a, a better price point. If I get a better right. price point, I can pass that on to the consumer. That drives more traffic back into the business and that just helps everything. It's like that that Right. Um, um, at that at the time, I may have been 19, 20, 21. I just had no idea that you know those were things that you were supposed to do. Uh, right. That's, that's dope. That's amazing that you had you know a built-in uh, coach mentor in your dad with a legacy of entrepreneurship. Because a lot of us don't come from entrepreneurs. Like like most people in my family were they worked, they job. Yeah. So there's different skills they have they can share with me. But when it came time for me to be an entrepreneur and venture out, I had to find my own mentors in the form of books and stuff like that. Doesn't mean they yeah. weren't accessible, because they clearly were, but having that in the pop is pretty dope. Um, so what are some of the challenges of working with your friends and your family in business? Because, you know, a lot of those things, like you don't mix family and business and this and that, but then, you know, there's, very, there's benefits to that. But what are some of the challenges? Because, you know, like in hip hop, a lot of cats come together and form a crew and then that turns into a business, but it's not not everybody's built for the certain roles they gotta play in and then, you know, things yeah. get messy. So what are some of the challenges of working with your family and your friends? Um, separating the two. Separating the two. I mean, I know this one, I can answer that one really quickly because I mean <laughs> you, you you may have a heated business discussion, not to, not heated because of the tension that's in it, just because maybe you're trying to solve a very complicated problem that needs to be solved immediately. And right. two different opinions about how to solve it, right? May, um, you know, we, we may not agree on the idea, but as family, when we get home, you know, we try not to still be fighting over that same thing that we was, you know, maybe disagreeing with in the store. You know, we're right. at home now. This is, 
this is a different thing. You know, we're going to leave that part in the business. And now this is just home. This is friends. This is family. This is support. Let's lift each other up. Let's build each other. We'll deal with that when we get back in the business tomorrow. We'll figure out the true solution to that. And we'll, we'll take it from there. But we won't take it home to the dinner table and continue it in that way where it just right. starts to fester and, you know, well, now we'll be online and, you know, you left the business oh, three hours ago. It's still going. You got a, uh, a, 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 beat, a, um, a text in the middle of the night and, you know, you're still doing it. Oh, oh, so send you like, off. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, we just really learned, I think, one of the biggest challenges is separating uh, the two. Um, this does, I, you know, once when my son used to drive these um, quarter midget race cars, these little right. um, small, like, quarter-scale, like, NASCARs almost. So they go in the circle. Right. Right. And in order to be in the program, the dad had to be the mechanic. Okay. So you dropped four banging <laughs> quotes that I need you to just restate and just give me a, a small recap of what the, each of those means. Because they were, they were banging. Like, my retention level felt it all. But you asked me to explain that to, like, my kid in 10 minutes, it's going to be mangled. So I want you to say them, those four things, right? Take something to make it better, and then the other three, and just give me a little synopsis about each of those. Um, the, the ones we ended with, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, so you said, um, I thought, I, I gave you three. I gave well, you you, yeah, but you gave, me, you gave me the lug before, which is the take one, take something and make it better. So I want yeah, you to so start with that's, that. That's been the theme of the whole thing, you know, just try to make it okay. better. Make it better than it was when you got it. So we start there. Take right. something that you have, that you already have in your possession, and make that better. Sometimes before we start gathering a lot of anxiety and a lot of different things about something that we don't even have or, you know, something right. that we think we want. And then when we get it, we sometimes find out that it probably wasn't even better than what we had before. We could have just kept what we had and arranged it in some way. So that's what that means. Just, okay. just try to make it try to make it better than it was when you got it. Right. I, I okay. Think if we all do that. The world to be a better place at the end of the day, won't it? Everybody be making everything. I, better I think so. So yeah. I think yeah. That's a pretty good one. Now I said, um, don't be afraid to take the multiple trips. Right. Sometimes it takes more than one trip. Sometimes it takes more than one attempt. And a lot of times people that try to do it in one attempt get close. Sometimes they do it all the way, but a lot of times it just is, is very difficult because it's a vertical climb. Like, it's right. like uh, you, you climb in so long and you got so much baggage in your bag for trying to do it in one trip that it makes the, the journey more difficult. Right. And you may wind up not liking journey because of that, or may like wind up even giving up. And you might right. wind up missing a lot of opportunities that you probably would have been able to notice if you made multiple trips and kind of just enjoyed the journey and the scenery around you, the people you meet, asking them questions right. and different things like that. So, you know, the multiple trips. Then after I hit you with the multiple trips, I hit you with the don't trade your camo in for a chinchilla. <laughs> don't, I got to say that. Don't trade your camo in for a chinchilla. Okay. Yeah. You know, chinchilla, you know. Um, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times we come up out of the work mode and go into the celebration mode a, a little too soon. And that's all that right. means. It's, you know, don't be afraid to keep that camouflage on as long as you have to. And and, and if you never put the chinchilla on, that's, that's fine with me. But if you, right, know, right. you have to put the chinchilla on, just make sure that you're ready to um, deal with everything that that's going to bring. So right. sometimes you got to stay in the work. Um, the last one was 
we don't dance in the end zone. We, we, we don't dance in the end zone. We make the touchdown, but then we don't do the dance. We, we just make the touchdown and we run the ball back and we make another multiple trip and try to get another touchdown. Because I was saying that, you know, a lot of times just coming playing sports as a kid and just watching sports as an adult, you realize that a lot of the magic happens in the fourth quarter. Right. So if I celebrated in the end zone in the first uh, part of the game, which is totally, you know, now that I think about it, this is totally contradicting me to celebrate the small victories. You can celebrate right. the small victories. <laughs> Please celebrate the small victories. But just, you, I'm just saying, we don't dance in the end zone as a uh, a mentality. Right. To say that, hey, man, we're not going to celebrate too soon. We're not going to just, just because we made one touchdown, we're not going to, you know, dance or mock the other team or mock the other people or make a mockery of them if this was sports because we know that the magic can still happen in the fourth quarter. We, we can very easily lead, lose a game with a huge lead. We've seen that right, happen. Right, right. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> don't, you know. Don't, these, these are just don't things, dance you know. in the end zone. Yeah, we, we don't dance in the end zone. You know, it's just a good, it's just, you know, we, we just wow. made that up. It's the same. It's nothing against, I love, I, I love when football players dance in the end zone. I love, <laughs> I love the dances. I mean, that's part Man. of it. You know, they probably worked hard, may not never see another touchdown for a long time. So right. But when we put it in terms of how I um, transition that philosophy into my life, I'm just saying a lot of times right. smaller victories in life, I really don't. I try to make sure I'm in the fourth quarter before I start. Right. You know, the, the game is over. Then we're dancing in the end zone. It's kind of like a Michael Jordan type of thing, too, right? Really yeah, and you know, I was thinking of when you said that. It's, it's Marshawn Lynch. You know, Marshawn Lynch scored the touchdown. He hands the ball to the ref and shakes the hands of his lineman, and then yeah. just goes off. There's more work to do. There's more yeah, work to do. It's, it's always, that's kind of always been his thing. He just get up, hand the ball in, thank you, lineman, for blocking for me, doing your thing, okay, let's go. And then you go have some skittles on the sideline, you know. There you go. That's you know, <laughs> that's probably a small personal celebration for him. So I can really appreciate that. That's that's a great example. All right. So I'm gonna example. give you two more bangers and then I'll let you properly sign off and you know, yeah. say your closing remarks. Okay. What do you think some of the one of the biggest misconceptions of success is? You'll be that you'll be happy. That you'll be happy. Some people think that being successful will make them happy. But happiness is its own thing. It has maybe for some, it can make them definitely can make a lot of problems go away. You know, success right. can make a lot of problems go away. But it doesn't guarantee happiness. Right. It's a misconception. Um, a lot of people actually that I've talked to in my lifetime that are retired and successful or have been successful in the past have said that um, they were happier when they weren't mm. because all the problems that came along with the success complicated and took away the happiness that they thought that they right. were. Yeah, that's, that's the real one. Okay. I